This is a crowd podcast. There's a moment it all changes for Keith Flint. In March 1996, he's still a dancer, a crazy dancer, with a band who are angry and loud and outsiders, but still a dancer. He's never sung, never played an instrument, never written a song. And then it happens. It's Thursday night, it's seven o'clock. Top of the Pops is on TV. Big show, been going for more than 30 years. Everyone watches it. Kids, moms, grandparents, and it's all safe and it's all pretty nice. This week, there's Gina G, Eurovision entry. She's in a short dress. The dancers behind her are all girls. Their dresses are shorter. Then it's PJ and Duncan. Okay, please excuse my Geordie accent. But one day, they'll grow up to be Ant and Deck. For now, they're just lads off another TV show doing a lame cover of an old monkey's tune. So far, so top of the pops. Two servings of cheese. The DJ presenting it has good teeth, a nice smile, gelled hair. The kids at home, the grannies in their living rooms. They're all happy. And we get to the last five minutes. And there's a new number one in the charts. A video starts and the screen is black. There's a strange sort of siren noise, like a computer screaming. Lights flicker. We're in a tunnel. This weird skittering beat kicks in, sort of falling into itself. And the light comes on like a police searchlight. And you see this figure. And suddenly, no one at home feels safe and comfy anymore. Mad eyes staring at you. Black circles around them. Hair spiked but shaved down the middle. Ears pierced. Studs and spikes. Tongue sticking out with a spike through that too. He's in a top like the Stars and Stripes flag but upside down and cut up. Trousers that are too short. Boots. And he starts moving like someone's jerking his strings, like he's trying to shake the madness out of his head. Like he's scratching and itching. Like he's coming for you. Gina G. Her song's like a cheeky wink. Ooh, uh, just a little bit. That's a saucy postcard, a carry-on film in a disco. PJ and Duncan, they're singing about stepping stones. It's all grins and nice teeth. This man, he's snarling, raging. And this is what he's saying. I'm the bitch you hated, filth infatuated. More strange noises, squealing sounds, a high voice going, hey, hey, hey. And all the time this man leers and jumps and lurches forward like he's attacking the screen, like he wants to burst through it and grab those kids and grannies and take them back into that dark tunnel with him. So, (laughs) those kids have nightmares and the mums phone the BBC in disgust and the granddads write letters to the papers and Keith Flint is reborn. And so his story is about that song, Firestarter, and the lyrics he writes. 
what it does to him and his band, The Prodigy. It's about being feared and loved and copied and mocked. It's about a kid who was lost, who finds himself and then maybe gets lost again. It's about what music can do to you when you let go. About a bunch of wild kids who grew up outsiders and then found themselves mainstream. Drugs and beats and fame and fighting to be heard. It's about the intense rush of being on stage and the hole it leaves behind. And a man you think you know when you don't know him at all. We'll talk about him after this short break. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Hello, it's Tom Fordyce here. I'm one of the writers on Death of a Rockstar, and I do hope you're enjoying the series. I wanted to tell you about BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses in life, big and small. A lot of the people I wrote about for this series absolutely did. And as we know, if we keep those stresses bottled up, it can impact us negatively. That's where therapy can be great. Therapy isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. It can help you understand the way your brain works and why you feel a particular way. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's all online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Rockstar listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash rockstarpod. That's betterhelp.com slash rockstarpod. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious podcast. This is Death of a Rockstar, a new series from Crowd Network with new episodes out every Thursday. Keith Flint, he's always looking for something, a place to be him, people who get him, somewhere to put all this mad energy and frustration that's crashing round inside him. Everyone is on the move when he's growing up, everyone lost and found. Old East London is moving out to Essex, to new towns built on old farmers' fields. Dual carriageways and roundabouts, new estates and the same old problems. Parents can still split up. Kids with dyslexia still get misunderstood. So Keith jumps around in his bedroom to the jam, grows a Mohican, gets expelled from school at 15. He works as a roofer, can't keep still, goes out on the road, 
He gets tattoos, grows his hair long, ends up in Israel, smoking, mucking about, and waiting for the answer. But then he finds all this stuff he's been looking for, and it's back in Essex. There's a club in Braintree called The Barn, except it's not really a club, it's a pub with a room on the side. Two-storey, big car park out the front. There's no glamour. Most of the time, it's old drinkers and fights, but the music is changing, and the barn is too on those nights. Bored kids, new sounds, drum machines and messed up beats. Drugs, because the big ports are up the road on the coast, and the big ports connect to Rotterdam and Amsterdam, and all that's coming out of there. Keith never stands around wondering. He's in there, jumping, dancing. He meets other lads doing the same. Leroy, tall and gangly. Maxim, big and cut. Another white kid too. Liam, knows the tunes. Makes them at home on his computer. So Keith asks Liam to make him a little compilation, what he calls a buzz tape. And they play it, and it's dark and angry, outsider music. Liam wants to perform it live, at the barn, maybe retracing the dual carriageways back into East London. And because no one wants to watch a bloke on a computer, Keith and the others say, we'll be all right, we'll dance, we'll stir them up. It works for the music. There are no front men in dance music. The DJs look like IT teachers. It works for Keith like nothing before. He says he's shitting himself before he goes on stage, but that's the point. It's like jumping out of a plane. It's all that energy pouring out of him and coming back from the kids out front. He says, I'm using my body to shout. He thinks this is it. This is the release. They're different, these sounds. It's still dance music, but it's not what started the dance revolution a few years before. With house music, you can trace the route back to disco. Female vocals, choruses about being lifted up, gospel stuff. House music is Ibiza, sunshine and warm seas, dancing on beaches, smiley faces on baggy white t-shirts. It's happy music because the drug is ecstasy. MDMA brings you together, creates connections. It's loved up. This is rave. This is Essex. You can't hear the disco in this. It's dirty and angry. It's faster because the ecstasy pills coming out of Holland are changing too. Less MDMA, more speed. Speed makes you clench your teeth, makes you sweat. It's dark energy, not love. When you come down, you can't sleep. You crash. The world seems out of love. No beaches here, warehouses instead. Basements. The dark spaces under motorway bridges where no one else goes. The look's different too. White gloves, 
long sleeve tops because it's cold in Essex when you come out at sunrise and there's no sun to see. Whistles in mouths, foghorns on stage. Gospel? Not here. This isn't about hope and salvation. It's about getting wasted, losing yourself. This is what they call it, hardcore. And that's Keith and Liam and Leroy and Maxim. That's Essex and their band, The Prodigy. People look down on hardcore. It's not trying to connect people. It doesn't care about disco, about being accepted. It's the sound of new towns and old problems. It takes the piss. The Prodigy's first hit samples a kid's safety film. A child's voice, a bit scared. Charlie says, always tell your mummy before you go off somewhere. When it gets to number three, suddenly the charts are full of the same stuff. Hardcore tunes sampling kids' TV. Sampling Sesame Street, The Shaman doing Ebenezer Good and the Piss Date Chorus, Ease a Good, Ease a Good. The serious music press hate it. They reckon the prodigy are killing dance music. The mainstream is scared. Illegal raves and music that screams and shouts. In another part of Essex, a 17-year-old girl called Leah Betts takes ecstasy at a mate's party and dies. It doesn't matter, the inquest says, it probably wasn't the pill that killed her, that her brain swelled from drinking 12 pints of water in an hour and a half, that maybe it's a horrible accident. The tabloids have their stories and the parents get the message. The music is killing our kids. And this outsider scene, this music of nobodies and nowhere towns is now the target. Tabloids and politicians, public campaigns and acts of parliament. That's the world of Keith Flint. What he thought was his escape. They come and get you wherever you hide. It's in his head, and when it's in Keith's head, it has to get out. Liam's working on a new track. The mainstream music in 1996 is all retro. pop, all those lines back to the Beatles and the Stones and the Who. It's warm and familiar. Cabbies don't mind a bit of Oasis, Union Jack guitars and Core Britannia. That's not what Liam's doing. He takes a vocal sample from an 80s synth group and a guitar riff from a US rock band, chops them up and adds these thumping, jittery beats. The sound of confusion, the sound of nightmares. Keith hears it, the loop and the riff, and he says to Liam, if I'm ever writing lyrics, it's to this, it's now. So he starts, writes down all the words he can think of that stir him up, thinks this song 
is going to explain me, get all my energy and aggression out there, and it pours out. He thinks, this sounds like I hate myself, but lots of people do. Everyone knows there's darkness inside. He thinks, that's what the prodigy are. We start fires. We're everybody's dark side. He writes about fear and addiction, pain and intoxication. He changes his look, more tats, more piercings, a sort of Mohican either side of his head. The band still don't know what this song's going to do. They film the video and it's rubbish. So they try again, but they're out of money. So it has to be black and white. They can't afford a proper studio, so they go down an empty tube tunnel under the old streets of East London. And people hear it in that warm Britpop world. And it's a revolution. And they see the video on top of the pops and they're scared. This is new, faceless dance music with a frontman. Rave as rock, the outsiders in the mainstream. And the mainstream isn't ready for this. This anger, this man who's like Johnny Rotten plus Freddy Krueger plus the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Ban this sick fire record. That's one headline in the papers. It works as it always does, the opposite way to the way they want. The publicity, the outrage, it just sells more records. Two weeks at number one, three, half a million copies sold. Another single, the video, grimy, the beats whining. Keith with purple hair, green hair, spikes around his neck. He shouts about coming to play his game. He shouts, you're the victim. There's him and crocodiles and cockroaches and rats. The dark side of everybody and it keeps coming. Third single, that's called Smack My Bitch Up. The video for this one's got coke snorting, puking, fighting. And Keith, the most feared man in Britain, the clown from your worst nightmare. He lives in a semi-detached house in Braintree. It's got a carport. When journalists go over, he gives them cups of tea and chocolate biscuits. That's Keith. All contradictions and surprises. The new tattoo, that's on his stomach. It says, inflicted. Massive letters, brown ink. He says it was so painful, he felt like he was on a stone altar being cut open. Anyone for a biscuit? <laughs> so, of course, the prodigy get bigger. When the album comes out, it goes number one in the UK. It's number one in the States in 21 other countries. Fat of the land, it's called. The cover is a big crab, claws up, coming out the sea, coming for you like Keith comes for you. Claws up, like it's shouting. Come on then. They say they wanted to change the album title in the States, call it the land of the fat. Madonna wants them to work on her new album. They turn her down. It's all good, right? It's why you do it. Take on the world. Bring them to you. Show them all. 
the ones who kicked you out of school, who said you were killing music. It's good, but it's unsettling too. You change the world and it changes you too. There's an advert on British TV. It's for Lucozade, a sugary drink for ill people at this point, for old people. There's a man in a cardigan, sitting in a stately home. He's got kids sitting around his feet. Then he has a sip of Lucozade and bang, he transforms into a sort of fake Keith. Hair sticking up, black eyeliner, pierced tongue, smashing statues, climbing walls, sticking his head through paintings. That's what happened to the outsiders. They're everywhere. They're everyone's. Keith's in his back garden in Essex, having a smoke. Random people turning up, lifting their kids up so they can see over the fence. Look. There's the fire starter. He says he feels like a chimp in a zoo. He says people think they own him. Him and the band are walking through an airport. A man comes up, big grin on his face, rubs Keith's purple hair like he's a mascot, says, you want to get your hair cut? Keith, he gives it back, grabs the bloke by the neck, does the big scary eyes in his face, shouts, you want to lose some weight, you fat knacker. But they're rock stars now, these rave kids, accidentally or not. And rock stars do stuff. Liam dates Natalie Appleton from All Saints. Leroy dates Sarah Cox from Radio One. Cox introduces Keith to a kids TV presenter called Gail Porter. They're together for almost two years, the child catcher and the kid's favorite. So the whispers start up, sellouts, fakes, past it. Doesn't matter that they turn down the offer to support you too on a nine month world tour. People start saying, you're a cartoon character. You're a joke. And Keith starts having nightmares of his own. He dreams his jaws are locked together. He feels like he's pulling his eyes open, but can't wake up. He's trying to get a mirror to see what's happening, but he can't move his feet. This wasn't meant to happen. Rave wasn't meant to last. You can't keep taking ecstasy, not year after year. Love leaves you. The paranoia grows. You're running away. Again, you can try to get away, but the past chases after you. From the East End to the new towns, and then on again, into the sticks, out beyond the dual carriageways and roundabouts. Country houses and thatched cottages, big estates and stables, they all buy them, and they all feel at home, but lost too. Here's a story about Leroy, the dancer who leaves the band first. He buys an old windmill, has it converted, and he spends loads on changing all the door latches from iron ones to wood because the sound of the metal ones reminds him of the outside toilet in the council house where he grew up. 
Keith is a big pile with wooden beams, mustard yellow walls, a lake, an orangery. Orangeries are not rave. They're not the darkness within. No one's trying to get orangeries banned. But that's Keith and his contradictions. And it's Keith trying to keep his balance. Because the Prodigy are still huge, they sell out stadiums. And when they do, that's when he's himself. That's where it can all come out. He says he can taste it in the air when it's going to be big. Says it reminds him of the old days at the raves, in warehouses, in basements. And when the noise explodes and the beats fall over themselves and the lights slam on, he sees the fans in front of him. And he thinks about the North Sea. Waves of people kicking up in front of him. He thinks, that's my reward. That's my payback. And it's part of his balance too, not the old stuff that used to come across the North Sea, from Amsterdam, from Rotterdam. He never takes drugs when he's on stage. He wants to be in control, wants to feel it all. And in the golden hour afterwards, when the beats stop and the lights drop and it's all mayhem backstage, that's when he's at his calmest. He's drained himself. That's how he thinks of it. He'll be okay for a while. People come up to him, all praise and love and their own energy, and he just lies there, like his head's in the clouds, like all the fires are out. When he's calm, it all moves around him. The stress, the anger, not through him anymore. He buys the local pub when it's in trouble, sorts it out. He throws logs in the fireplace. If someone sees and makes the obvious joke, he's got a swear box on the bar. You make the joke, you stick in a quid. That's Keith in his 40s, a country gent with piercings, riding his dirt bikes, starting a motorbike team. Doesn't matter, there's jokes with that too. I'm a tire starter and twisted kickstarter. That's okay. He sits in his garden with his dogs and watches the deer that come to nibble the hedges and the foxes digging holes under them. He gets married in a very Keith way. She's a Japanese DJ, calls herself super mega bitch. He doesn't speak Japanese. She doesn't really speak English. It doesn't last. You might have guessed, but Keith seems okay. There's always stories with Keith about how he's different to how you think. There's an awards due, all the Britpop boys there. Noel from Oasis, Damon from Blur. There's also James Blunt who sings You're Beautiful and half the country buys it and half the country hates him. Damon refuses to be in the same photo as Blunt. Noel says, He's selling his house because Blunt has moved close by. Keith? Keith sees it all, walks over and gives Blunt a big hug. He says, I'm thrilled for your success. You keep at it. So no one's ready for the end when it comes. He's got debts, Keith. Seven million quid, some say. But he's fit. He's running. He does the park run in Chelmsford, 
five kilometers on a Saturday morning with mums, with kids, with anyone. He's decent too. Gets his PB down to 21 minutes. Looks different to most of them because he's wearing an orange bandana, black sleeveless vest, and bright green compression socks. But still, he's not pretending it's all fixed. He tells Liam he still thinks he's unhinged. He also says he's got more support than ever before. So you try to ignore the other signs, the times he just disappears. When he doesn't run but holds up in the house instead and chases that buzz, tries to fill the hole. The time he talks about what happens if the prodigy finish. He says, thinking it's your last show is more frightening than death. Prolonged death. It's early March in 2019 when it happens. A mild weekend out in Essex, out in the sticks. No dramas, no gunshots, no one else there at all. Out of nowhere, it seems. First a statement from the band. One of those things you hear and just know. It is with deepest shock and sadness. Then it's Liam on Instagram. This is what he writes. I can't believe I'm saying this, but our brother Keith took his own life over the weekend. He says he's shell-shocked, angry, confused, heartbroken. Others talk about a pioneer, a legend. They talk about integrity and a beautiful energy. They talk about a gentleman. There's an inquest. Once the police have been to the farmhouse and the fans have cleared away and the old yellow building stands empty again. They say there was cocaine and alcohol and codeine in Flint's bloodstream when he died. There's also not enough evidence to say it was suicide. So you watch back the old videos and listen to the music and think of the things he used to say. How he talks about living in the moment, not trying to get married at 20 with kids and a nice Ford car. How the tattoos and piercings and dyeing his hair was him trying to tell the world all that. Look at me, there's another way. He called it being attractive but being ugly. He said, it takes balls. He said he'd pass away with a smile on his face because he did what he wanted, not what they wanted. And you think about all that he did, this kid that no one understood, the dancer who had never sung, never played an instrument, never written a song, the outsider's scene, this music of nobodies and nowhere towns, the darkness inside all of us let free. There's something else Keith says too when someone asks him about it all, about the past, about his escape, about why it makes sense to him when it does make sense. I'm like the guy that jumped on stage at a gig and didn't get thrown off. He says, that's who we perform for too. 
that guy. A man you think you know when you barely knew him at all. That was the story of Keith Flint. It was written by Tom Fordyce, read by me, Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy. Our editor was Phil Brown. For research, we used the archives of the BBC, Q Magazine, Kerrang, Select, Sounds, The Face, The Guardian, The Sun, and The Mirror. Want to listen to some Prodigy? Start with No Good, classic early rave, then Firestarter, of course. See if it still scares you, and then smack my bitch up. That one just gets more shocking. If you liked this, try our Death of a Sports Star series. There's one about Marco Pantani that might blow your mind in a good way. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious podcast. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.